words stand between silence and silence, between the silence of things and the silence of our own being, between the silence of the world and the silence of God. When we have really met and known the world in silence, words do not separate us from the world, nor from other men, nor from God, nor from ourselves, because we no longer trust entirely in language to contain reality. Thomas Merton We walked through the valley of the shadow of life. The previous day had been one of ups and downs, not of a personal nature, but of a mountainous one. After taking off on the trail the prior evening, we had started out early in the morning and the shadows slowly ebbed to the east over the Chisos Mountains on our way to the highest point, Emory Peak. As the night settled in, childish conversations, reminiscent of decades past, of wrestling javelinas and taming mountain lions, interspersed with tales of professional pursuits and worldly concerns. But this morning, as we slowly made our way into Juniper Valley, the sun was unveiling its rugged masterpiece under the slowly vast expanse that lay before us. Prickly pear cactuses and welcoming aloe plants covered the land as our simple minds contemplated the enormous beauty and desolation below. As we snaked our way down the mountain, a small tent appeared on the canyon floor where two travelers had hunkered down for the night. We would not see another human being that day. It had been almost ten years since my two brothers and I had our last great wilderness adventure. Although we had seen much of the beautiful landscape that this country had to offer, in duo with other company, our trio had not come together for much time until we found our way into the confines of Big Bend National Park. As the desert sun intensified and the harsh, unforgiving land showed its true, often brilliant colors, the climbs and the miles became more difficult. Like many of my past adventures, it was during these moments that I sometimes wondered why we had not taken an easier road, one in which the toil and sweat was replaced with comfort and leisure. As the blisters began to form and the heat of the day colluded with our entomological foes to make even a day-ending siesta a chore, the weakness in me felt tempted by a more forgiving course. But I knew by now that I had come and that we had come for a much different purpose. On the surface, it had been one of adventure and one of beauty, and for that it had not disappointed. But in a greater sense, we came for solitude and silence, in ourselves and with each other. We had come in search of the same tranquility that we desired and needed every day, whether in brief moments of interlude or amid the morning rise or the setting soul. We had come to a faraway land of Big Ben to remind ourselves of the joy that the solitude beheld so that when life resumed, as it soon would, we would seek to preserve and nurture it in our everyday lives. It was that same silence of understanding that we would pursue between ourselves. For although at times our conversation spoke of trail curiosities, and at times of our personal lives, much of the time our discussions were born out of the quietness of our footsteps on the rocky, parched soil and the birds swooching by. We had traveled across the country to immerse ourselves in the comfort that came with saying nothing at all. As we awoke to the slight morning chill, a renewed vigor found its way into my soul. Trekking our way back to the abandoned ranch in completion of our 34-mile loop, I once again found myself grateful for the things that only harsh deserts and long brotherly backpack trips seem particularly cute at reminding, like the joy of cold water and rusted toes. Later that day, as we waded through the Rio Grande 
the Santa Elena Canyon wall soaring 1,500 feet above. It seemed so clear. I just wanted to be one with him, one with her, one with them, and one with myself and wherever the path would lead, and then silence of my soul. Well, welcome back to Living a Whole Christian Life. And once again, I hope it's been a great week. And even if it's been a difficult week, and I have to admit, it's been kind of a difficult week on my end, I hope you find yourself in a place of silence, although I know you're listening right now, but at least a place of renewal or a place as you head towards wherever it may be. That previous passage, as you heard, was actually a reminiscent of our trip. My brother Mike and Andrew and I, years ago, as we headed down to Big Bend, which is considered to be one of the most beautiful stargazing areas in the world. In fact, that first night at Big Bend, I often tell people, was probably the most magnificent star show skies I've ever seen. In some ways, it's almost like those celestial beings were coming right at us. But as you heard, so much about that was not just the beauty above us or around us, but the beauty that lay within the silence, the silence of ourselves and the silence of our being. And there's something about the desert. You know, I've been in the desert multiple times now, and there's something about the desert that really calls you to that silence. And we'll talk about that later, even with Jesus himself. But what's clear is that when you're in silence and you're in the midst of just being there, in some ways, it's not a passive experience at all. It's actually, in many ways, a very active one. You know, your mind is in many different places, whether you're just thinking about things or meditating or whatever, whether you're experiencing the full senses of what's around you. I think we often think of silence in a very passive way, but the reality is, and hopefully as it came through in that passage, that silence is anything but passive. It's a very active process. So many things are going on. So much is there present. And yet, the key is that you are really there within yourself. Even when you're around people, even with my brothers, even our times, you know, we're walking together, so often we are there in ourselves and are there to experience that moment. I, I think that many of the ways that, you know, you really want to experience and be in the present moment so often it comes back to how are we able to be silent in those, those times and those places where we really want those memories to form. So, you know, what's interesting about silence is that, of course, it's been ordained throughout the, the millennia since the beginning of time. Theology has a lot to say about silence. But like so much of us, what we've talked about here is that God's design, this desire, this need, this like yearning for silence that we have, whether or not we feel it or we even acknowledge it or whether we spurn it, Silence is supported by science. It's kind of a little bit of a (laughs) tongue twister, but silence is supported by science. And I want to give you just a few of many ways in which silence is supported for our health and well-being. So number one, studies have found that walking alone multiple times a week increases hippocampal growth in our brain, thus improving memory. Number two, just two minutes of complete silence creates positive changes in blood circulation and blood pressure associated with increased tension. Just two minutes. Number three, older adults who meditate in complete silence each day demonstrate improved sleep patterns and decreased depression and fatigue, especially at a time where sleep can be really difficult as that slow wave sleep starts to ebb away. Number four, Not speaking for extended periods of time is associated with heightened sensitivity in other areas such as thinking and feeling and overall sensory perceptions. And next week, I'm going to tell you about a really particularly amazing experience I had in that exact idea, not speaking and just being alone. 
and so on and so on and so on. The reality is that the, the science is so clear that we need silence so much. We need to be quiet. We need to be alone. We need solitude. There's a quote that I often forget who it's attributed to. Someone says that loneliness is failed solitude. And although I realize that's not always the case, that sometimes we truly are alone in ways that we don't desire, maybe aren't healthy. I think that the author of this quote was really pointing to the fact that when we start to develop and procure silence and the solitude, that being alone looks very different. We're really developing this in our lives and we're seeking it out that loneliness is actually failed solitude. It's a failed ability to recognize the opportunities that come with being alone, even though I realize that for some, they don't have that choice. But for so many of us, we do, and we fail to recognize the beauty that's there. But here's the, here's the challenge, and here's the, really the challenge of this idea as we, we're talking about this framework. And this, again, is our final piece of framework. I'm really excited to, to bring this to you as we're rounding this out and living a whole Christian life. We simply don't live in a time and place that supports our need for silence, especially in the younger generations. I was talking to somebody recently, one of our trainees, and she was describing how the fact that her generation, which grew up with the smartphone, which grew up with social media, has simply accepted that silence is just not something that they're almost allowed to have, that they, they really always have to be connected. They always have to be informed. Years ago, I was on a panel and included a couple of high school students, and they acknowledged the fear of what we call FOMO, that fear of missing out. And they simply couldn't let go of their phones. They knew they could turn them off, but they knew they wouldn't turn them off. Even in the middle of the night, listening for the sound of the ding of the text coming through, they were so afraid of missing out on everything around themselves that they didn't realize they were missing out on what was there to be alone in solitude. This is the issue that we struggle with this. I mentioned, you know, ways back in the podcast previously, I was speaking to a group of college students and one of them said to me at the end that she kind of fearfully looked at the average amount of time she spent listening to music on Spotify and discovered that it was eight hours a day, eight hours a day the previous year that she had listened to music. And she simply said to me, I, I have a real fear of silence. I fear and I'm not sure. I don't know what to do. And yet I, I'm afraid that I'm really missing out. In fact, she knew that she was missing out. So listen to what Merton says again in another quote. When society is made up of men who know no interior solitude, it can no longer be held together by love and consequently is held together by a violent, abusive authority. Striking words. Think of our society today. Think of all the noise on social media. Think of all the noise even in print. Think of all the noise that we experience just in commercials and everything. And listen to what he says. is When society is made up of men who know no interior solitude, it can no longer be held together by love. When we're struggling internally to find that silence, when we're struggling internally to kind of come to a place of peace and quietness, what it gives rise to, as he later says, is this like sense of like hatred, sense of like constant fear the sense of not being able to actually meet our brothers and sisters as they are because we don't even know ourselves as we are. And I think that's the key here is that what silence affords us is not only a connection with our God, with our creator, an ability to hear him. I've had the benefit of going on silent retreats for a number of years and I held off for a long, long time. I kept telling myself I wasn't a retreat person and no, it's not something for me. And so it took about four or five years of a friend really pestering me to finally end up at the White House Jesuit Retreat Center 
about six years ago, and I'm so glad I did because the moment I began to really meet myself in silence there, even though I had found myself in silence in other places, volumes and volumes spurred forth. Volumes and volumes came out. Um, volumes of conversation, of realization, of actualization, of whatever it was. But until we come to know ourselves in silence, we're never really going to come to know other people. And then when we don't come to know other people, we're going to find reasons to fear. We're going to find reasons to hate. We're going to find reasons to divide. Um, and it's so clear. And we know this. And we know this through and through. And yet we live in an age where it's so difficult to find this. And yet, here's the promise. When silence becomes a close friend, a greater consciousness emerges that is the seed of great growth. At times, silence breeds a painful acknowledgement. At times, a joyful surge. At times, a novel awareness long overdue. Quietness precedes a necessary connection to a world that transcends an automatic response to our own fears and desires. We become liberated to do what is needed, to give what we should give, to receive what we should receive, to love whom we should love. Only in silence are we free to be who we're called to be. Only in silence. Wherever you're at tonight, give yourself some time and space. Give yourself a little bit of time just to be quiet. And I know it's sometimes it's scary. I know wherever you find yourself, I know if you've been in difficult situations, if you've had traumatic experiences, if you've had all sorts of vulnerabilities that make you want to run from it. I know that so many people live in that place and it's a really difficult place. But again, the promise is we become liberated to do what's needed when we give ourselves that quiet peace, to give what we should give, to receive what we should receive, to love whom we should love. Let's not be afraid of being with ourselves. Let's not be afraid of being with God. It's only in silence are we free to be who we're called to be. Only in silence. It's Jim Schrader. Be holy, be whole.